Hello, and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts, companion to the Primary Care Excellence Work, which has been created for all primary care staff in Greater Manchester. I'm Lynn Marsland. If you've missed any episodes, you can go back and download them anytime from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your colleagues and friends so as many people as possible hear the series. Today's podcast is designed to enable us to explore the role of the social prescribing link worker, which is funded through the additional roles monies. And specifically, we're going to focus on that role linked to children and young people. I'm joined by Joe Campbell, who is the Young Persons Pathway Team Leader at Big Life Group, by Rosie Lurie, Young Persons Social Prescribing Link Worker at Be Well 16 Up, and Charlotte Leonardson, who is the Social Prescribing Lead at NHS Greater Manchester. Thank you all for joining me today. Great to have you here on this session. And I'm just wondering if you could start by describing to me what we mean by social prescribing, specifically in relation to children and young people. Yes, thank you, Lynn. So children and young people face a host of issues under the umbrella of social determinants of health. And we know that these issues can impact health and well-being but they can't be addressed by the current health system. And the social prescribing role provides a means to address these issues by supporting them to access services addressing the needs of the individual. And that can be financial support, mental health support, social activities, life skills, learning, etc. To share a bit more of a, a practical example, at, at Be Well we operate by identifying the wellbeing support a young person requires or changes they might wish to make um, and then we work in a person-centered way to address those changes so we recognize the strengths of the young person so their interests their skills their values and we then link them in with the strengths of the community so that might be community groups organizations services or opportunities that that young person can link into this creates a, a safe space for the young person to share and work through these in a way that is meaningful to them um, we can access services really easily thanks to technology over the past few decades, but supporting people to make smart action planning is key. So specific and realistic action plans so that we can empower young people to make changes. I think Rosie's worked on both with adults and with young people, and so she can probably notice some of the key differences between those roles. Yeah, so like Joe says, I've worked with both the adult and the young person service, and in essence, it's very much the same. Our main goal is connecting the person with activities and services which will improve their health and well-being. Now, what we found with the young person services, quite often it's their first time accessing services. And often we've had to find different routes for them to be referred into our service, as quite often young people, they don't access their GPs unless they've been taken by their parents. And because it's our first time accessing services, we found we need to be a little bit more informal in our meetings just to kind of break down some of those barriers. And so we don't come across in that same kind of formality as someone like a GP. We also found we need specialist skills and training needed to work with young people, particularly to understand their concerns and priorities, which can be quite different as a young person compared to an adult. 
and also we need to bear in mind quite often we need to take consent from the parents as well around some of these referrals and activities and things like that. So why is there such a need and indeed an increasing need to have social prescribing for children and young adults across GM, Charlotte? So we know that COVID have had a severe impact on children and young people with many suffering from depression and anxiety and social isolation. And the waiting list for the mental health therapeutic interventions are really, really long, which often cause the mental distress to worsen. And we know how much a young person develops just within 12 months, you know. So if you go from 11 to 12, 12 to 13 and so on, the changes that are taking place in the brain and the body is tremendous. So for the really long waiting list that have a severe impact on that young person. We also know that 40% of the GP workload is for children and young people. Yet 50 to 60% estimated of GPs have not had the training in paediatrics and child health. Combine this with the escalated demand and 10-minute appointment slots means that there's insufficient capacity for the health professionals to explore wider issues which may be impacting the person's health and well-being. And Rosie picked up on something really important around you need special training and skills to work with a young person. There's a lot around, so when we talk about adults, there's various barriers for attending. It can be, you know, transport, finances, lack of confidence, etc. But for a child or a young person, it's even worse. Those barriers become even bigger. And it's that thing around authorities and, you know, teachers, GPs, parents. And to establish that good relationship, it needs to be somebody that's able to connect on that level. And the majority of social prescribing across GM and across the country, in fact, focus on the adult and elderly population. And it really is imperative that social prescribing children and young people is invested in and embedded to support not only the children and young people, but their families as well. And that's where we can make the link into adults, social prescribing. And why wait until a child or young person is really poorly why not try and get in there a little bit more preventative? And we should do the same with the adults. And to do that, we need to have enough capacity in the system to do that. We need to have plenty of these roles because at the end of the day, if we stop a person from escalating, that's a big saving. So that's the money side. But for that person and the impact on their life is tremendous. And it's the longer term impact, obviously, of of nipping it in the bud. Joe? Yeah, just to follow on from that, I wanted to share some research. First of all, from a recent evaluation completed for BeWell, the social prescribing service I work for. I mean, it was completed by SQW. And the data in Manchester showed that they had the eighth highest local authority child poverty rate in the country, with 46% of children in the city living below the poverty line. And that was completed in 2017 and 2018. And obviously we know the link between poverty and mental health. That's very well established and the impact that that can have on a young person's mental health. The city also has a large population of children and young people that is very ethnically diverse. Almost twice as many children in Manchester are from minority ethnic groups than in England. And also from a a recent conference called the Making Manchester Fairer Conference, There was a quote shared at this conference and it said, Manchester is a great city, 
but not all residents have the same opportunities to be healthy and well or to reach their full potential. For example, people who are born in the least disadvantaged parts of the city can expect to live six to eight years longer than people in the most disadvantaged areas. This is one example of unfairness or health inequality that needs to be addressed. And our particular project, we've wanted to really focus in on those most deprived and diverse areas of Manchester so that we're reaching the underserved communities and the communities that need the support more than anyone really to address these health inequalities. And we also know that following COVID, as we mentioned earlier, that these things are surfacing more. So that was data from before the Mm. pandemic. And we're in a situation at the moment where people are concerned about the cost of living. All of these things must be increasing. Absolutely, 100%. And we've noticed that the number of young people who are socially isolated and just struggling even to get to activities because of that financial barrier and that's where we can you know try to step in and create those links. So Charlotte however slowly what progress do you see being made across Greater Manchester? So we are see different models that are coming through in the last sort of 18 months. So we've got the fantastic project in Manchester that Joe and Rosie have been talking about and giving us examples from. But we also have uh, six colleges across Greater Manchester where the pastoral staff have been trained up in the social prescribing approach. So we're talking about that very person-centred and asset-based approach. And by asset-based, it's really using that individual's assets to support them in developing and engaging. So you're building on what's already in that individual and exactly. the potential. Yeah, It doesn't come from a deficit point, it comes from a strength point for that individual. So they've been trained up in motivational interviewing and the importance of supporting people to connect to activities and other people. Out of that project, we've actually got two local authorities that's invested in their own college link worker, and that is in Rochdale and Salford. And obviously we would love to see that all localities have got a link worker for the college students because we know it's a really, really difficult time for people. You know, they go from secondary school into college where they are expected to be more sort of independent, etc. And not a lot of that confidence have been built on during COVID. So there's a whole range that we could spend hours talking about, I'm sure. So I won't, I'll try not go into that. Then we have the secondary school, so that's the Be Well project. So the Be Well is a survey created by GMCA, sent out to secondary schools, pupils in, I think it's year 9 and 10 or 10 and 11, but it's definitely 10. And there was 40,000 students that replied to that survey and it aimed to understand what are they getting up to, what are some of their challenges, mental health, connectivity, what do they do with their spare time, etc. And that showed that a lot of them had challenges around isolation, mental health, anxieties, etc. So we got some money from Children in Need that could support us to do a project. So we are running across five boroughs, Bury, Rochdale, Stockport, Tameside and Trafford. We've got 14 schools participating and it's health champion peer-led support. So we are having students, 15 students in each school being trained up currently by a teacher 
to deliver that peer support around health champions. This is fantastic and it's really good to start with that low level support that comes from a peer and there's solid systems in around safeguarding pastoral care but we need to think about that connectivity and investment outside of the school as well. So if there's any more sort of complex scenarios that are coming up that doesn't quite hit the mark for mental health services or social services that we have got an identified children young people social prescribing link worker in the community in the VCSC sector or PCN or wherever that is based they can refer into so we continue that support. In addition to the um, college and school projects, we also have examples in Oldham and Salford where what used to be the Oldham CCD have invested in 2.5 full-time social prescribing link workers for children and young people. And children's social services are investing in community activities to make sure that it's not just the travel agent we've got in place, we've got the holiday destinations as well as we call them. So that's a three-year project and the link worker is hosted by Positive Steps, which is a charity that's already supporting children and young people with a lot of skills and experience there. And then we have the Salford that's just employed um, children, families, community connectors. So their community connectors is the link worker. They're working within the new Living Well programme, but also the primary care to support children and families. And Joe, do you want to tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our particular programme with our Be Well Young Person Link Workers, it was designed to utilise the strengths of existing services in the community. So we had Be Well which had experience of working with adults 18 plus for a number of years and the success of that programme we were able to build on. We were also able to link in with the counselling service in Manchester 42nd Street who provide counselling for young people as well as linking in with a young person charity called Greater Manchester Youth Network and they offer loads of wellbeing activities for young people. And so we were able to kind of partner together and build on those strengths and initially we were set up to take referrals from 42nd Street's counselling waiting list to provide some intermediate support really for those young people on those waiting lists. Those young people who are waiting for higher level support, they might have had social wellbeing issues that they could do with some support with, whether that was social isolation, financial issues, to put them in a better position to access that counselling or to establish whether that was actually the main issue and then establish whether that was the main issue and then also establish whether actually that space on that counselling waiting list could be given to another young person. And we've been able to expand on that in recent months. So we've been able to reach out to other charities in the community, to colleges and universities. And more recently, we've actually been able to widen this offer to linking in with our first GP practice and trialling some referrals through them, again, to support with their demand in terms of supporting young people And from my perspective, it's fantastic to see all the examples of social prescribing link workers in colleges and schools. And I think there's just such a need for it. And so to see that that's been expanding in all these different settings has been so valuable. And I think beginning to look at working within a GP practice is the step we're obviously trying to encourage. It's great now that you're starting to get engagement from the PCN. But tell me a little bit more about the learning that you're getting from all of this. So I think for me, there's been a real value of having those young person specialised roles out in the community. We've spoke about Rosie 
having that knowledge of young person's services and having that knowledge of young person's issues and the barriers they're facing and just having that specialism out in the community has been so impactful. And there's two main learning points I want to comment on is the importance of networks. The importance of networks has been crucial to Be Well and the Young Person Programme over this past year. I've already touched on our partnership with the counselling service and also with the youth network, but linking in with that counselling service has meant that we've been able to interact with the mental health practitioners and gain a lot of valuable wisdom from them on topics around mental health and even safeguarding concerns. And then also linking in with the young person charity, it's been so valuable to have a direct link to these wellbeing activities. And in a way, it's a social prescriber's dream to have a charity there providing activities based on the needs of young people. And so we've been able to regularly meet with both of these services to communicate the needs of young people and they've been able to shape their offer based on that need and provide a really impactful service. And then the second point is the importance of a destination offer, and our coaches have actually been able to base themselves in these youth charities, so in Greater Manchester Youth Network, so that the young person can come along to a one-to-one appointment, get comfortable in the space, get familiar with what's going on, and then they might feel more confident to then access some of these groups, because often that feels like a big step to access some of the groups in the community and work on that social isolation but having that comfort and that connection with someone like Rosie can really help them to build up to that and Rosie's got plenty of experience of of working with young people in that setting. I think the point that you're making there is that when a PCN engages, it isn't about having the children and young persons link worker sitting in a surgery. It is about still going out there. And just to go back to the comment that Charlotte made about the travel agent and destination. So some people have likened the social prescribing link worker to being a travel agent, understanding what the person they're working with requires from their holiday and making sure that they get that destination. So Rosie, I'm going to ask you now, I think you've got some quotes or some experience you can give us around all of this. Yeah, well, um, like Charlotte said earlier, you know, anxiety has been a significant concern among a lot of young people. And it's definitely increased since the pandemic because you think those young people have missed out on some key social time and you know the chances to build up a bit of their independence. So I've had a number of young people who are looking for social connections but find their anxiety, as Charlotte said earlier, is a major barrier to engaging and going to a new place. So when I'm based at the venues, for example, Greater Manchester Youth Network, I'm able to provide almost like a low stress introduction to the organisation and the space. And the clients have found this really comforting and it builds their confidence to attend groups. I have had clients who've taken the opportunity to speak to the youth network staff about the groups while they're there. So again, when they go on to the activities, they've already got a familiar face because they've already spoken to a member of staff. And by being in a space with young people in mind, it makes the appointment less formal than other types of appointments. So like when you go to the GP, you're expecting them to give you answers. But with social prescribing, particularly with the motivational interviewing, we're trying to pull out the answers from that young person. And by being away from that GP setting, it's a lot easier to kind of get them to relax and pull out those answers. And when they pull out their own answers, you know, we're really there to empower and equip 
the young people with the skills and support links to cope with day-to-day stresses at a young age, which they can then take with them into adult life rather than just relying on people to tell them what to do. So I'm thinking about the investment then that we're putting into these critical roles, albeit they are funded through the additional roles monies, but we're working with lots of other organisations. If you were to describe, Charlotte, the output from that investment for PCNs and communities, how would you describe it? I think the key output really whether this is funded through arts roles monies, you know, within PCNs from local authority, is that the person gets earlier support. So we're preventing severe mental health challenges further down the line. We're preventing that they are developing physical health conditions that we know is happening when you've got poor mental health but that we support people to have a much better life, you know, better life quality. And that surely must be our main aim. But if we do look at it from PCN's point of view, for example, the GPs can't possibly retain all the community-based support offers that are in place for children and young people. And whilst we are saying we are in a severe lack of destinations for children and young people, and a lot of the offers currently is around sport, and physical activities, there are still activities and offers out there and they can't possibly know what they are. So the link worker, for all the reasons we've mentioned several times about knowing your community, about having those link in, you know, that's what their strengths are and we can't expect that from a GP. I think there's been some really good outputs from investment from across the system. You know, I mentioned the Oldham, so the Children's Social Services and Health recognised that there was a gap in the support for children and young people. So there's no doubt that the investment they're putting into these roles is to avoid exactly what we've been talking about and avoid that perhaps they end up in social services etc and we've got the colleges that public health have invested in Rochdale and Salford recognizing that we need to support our students so for me it's about it's a system responsibility we can't just say well that's on health or that's on social care we need to join up because it's got consequences for all parts of that system So if we can keep sort of people away from the doctor, away from social services, away from our mental health services, as much as we can, then clearly we've done a good job and saving money in the longer run as well. And and also the appropriateness of the service that they're getting. It isn't just keeping people away. It's providing an alternative better, more appropriate service. And Joe, I understand that um, Public Health England have been investing in the Be Well programme as well. Yeah, that's correct. Our programme's been funded by Public Health England and we've been operating across the Manchester localities, but we've only a, a small team at the minute, which has been really highlighting the need for additional roles in social prescribing across colleges and PCNs, as we've been mentioning, just to build on these outcomes an evident need for this type of support across the city it feels like there's a yeah there's a real demand for it and just having the capacity to meet that demand is what we need to establish case studies have evidenced some of these outcomes across the city and so case studies from Rosie and a colleague has shown improvements in confidence in young people 
improvements in physical health, reduced social isolation, improved mental health and reduced anxiety. And Be Well coaches support young people to manage stress in lots of different ways. So that can include goal setting, establishing routines, time management skills, gratitude journaling, increasing physical activity and working on on diet and goals around diet. Some of these outcomes have reported really positive effects on the young people's mental health, as well as other outcomes such as improving new life skills and greater awareness of support options. One staff member actually described an autistic young person with depression who found confidence through attending a weekly music group at Greater Manchester Youth Network. And we've had reports from other staff members from several young people that have found employment during their time with us or returned to education. And so we've had benefits to both the mental health, but also employment and education side of things. And we're also developing our quantitative research base to share these outcomes also. So, Charlotte, to summarise, what can our listeners do to find out more? Well, I think they can contact their local social prescribing provider to see what service is currently being offered, whether that's within the PCN or within the VCSFE sector. Also, maybe have a look at the referrals going into CAM services and mental health support. Look at the, you know, the patient registration list to see what sort of cohorts of the children, young people needing more support, who's presenting more in the practice to establish that local need. Talk to the clinical director for the PCN about a possibility to recruit a children, young people, social prescribing link worker or to work with an existing service and share some funding for that maybe. Contact me to have a chat about children, young people, social prescribing or to be linked up to some of the college projects or secondary school projects that are going on and see is there potential for a partnership there. We need to explore these. Nobody's got the recipe on how to do it the right way. So it's just building. To me, it's very important. We look at what do we have, whether it's a little bit or a lot, and build on it and create partnerships and join up working around it. Absolutely. And as we always do, there will be links at the end of the podcast, particularly if people want to contact you, Charlotte. It'll all be there. So I'm going to leave it to Rosie to finish for us. And you've got a quote from one of the young people that you've been working with, Rosie. Yeah, I've got a couple of quotes, actually. So first one, we had one person say, I would definitely recommend the service to others. The Be Well 16 Up service really boosted my confidence. I'm more confident on the phone and more confident in cooking for myself. I'm also more confident in being able to go out and meet other young people through Greater Manchester Youth Network. And we had another young person that said, I wasn't feeling too much like myself. I got help with managing my time and stressing way less, being more comfortable and relaxed. The person who helped me, she went far to get me to see things differently or approach things in a different way. It was really helpful. Just having someone listen to you and guide you, I think that's what matters. And I think that last little bit there really summarises what we've been talking about today. And for me, as a, a parent, well, a grandmother... It really strikes at me how important it is that we invest in our young people, not just from clinically led services, but from all of these excellent, excellent examples that you've talked about. And thank you, Charlotte, Rosie, Joe. thank you so much for coming along today and talking about it. 
This has been a really interesting subject to cover today and an invaluable addition to our ever-increasing podcast series. If you've missed any of them, do go back and download them for free. And we'd really love it if you can share them with your friends and colleagues. We want as many people as possible to hear the useful advice from amazing guests such as we've had today. Don't forget there's a wealth of information and advice on the Primary Care Excellence page too. And in particular, Charlotte will be linking the information on all of these roles so you can go to a single point of contact to get everything that you need. You can also connect via our social media channels. And if you're involved in a project you want others to know about, the more we work together, the happier and healthier our workforce will be. This has been a Fresh Air production. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.